0: Welcome back to another edition of the Educational AD Podcast. We couldn't do this without the incredible support of our sponsors, and we want to start by saying thank you to all of them. First, thanks to our diamond sponsor, Varsity Brands, including BSN, Varsity Spirit, and herf Jones. Varsity Brands, elevating student experiences in sport, spirit, and achievement. We also want to thank our platinum sponsors, including Ephesus Lighting, innovating a brighter future at every level. Gilman Gear, always a step ahead. Camp Mobile, where teams communicate better. Hometown Ticketing, simple and easy online ticketing. And Vital Signs bring student achievements to life. Thanks to all of our great sponsors. Welcome back everyone to another episode of the Educational AD, this time featuring the FIAAA Insider. Our guest today is Mary Walker. Mary's the athletic director at fernandina beach high school on amelia island Uh, mary welcome to the podcast thanks for having me hi we're we're very excited uh glad to have somebody from up in that section of the state well as you and i were talking uh, now certainly a busy time for uh, athletic directors uh, in florida and across the country so let's jump right in we always like to let our listeners have a chance to get to know our guests. So tell us a little bit about yourself, um, where you grew up, uh, where you went to school and college and, and how, your, uh, how your love of sports uh, led to this position at Fernandina Beach. Okay,
1: um, I was born in New York City and basically grew up in Jacksonville, Florida, went to Bishop Kenny High School. From there, I went to Jacksonville University and received my bachelor's in PE And then went on to Illinois State University to get a master's in sports medicine. And I've been a certified athletic trainer for over 35 years. And I did, I started my career as the first trainer for University of North Florida. And then left there and joined um, some hospitals here locally to do outreach athletic training. And one of my schools was assigned was Fernandina Beach. And one of the hospitals started to close the sports medicine program, and some of the coaches knew I had a PE background, a teaching background. So they encouraged me to teach. So I did have my certificate and started teaching here, and that was 20 years ago. And I have taught numerous subjects. I have nine uh, certificates right now. Oh. And, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, And now uh, I'm
0: into my fourth year as athletic director and testing coordinator for Fernandina Beach High School. Okay. Uh, And wearing a lot of hats like most uh, athletic directors. Uh, Talk a little bit about that transition from teacher to administrator. Um, You know, what were some things that intrigued you about the position? Um, You know, maybe what were uh, some things that uh, surprised you a little bit?
1: Um, I really wanted to be the athletic director when the position became open. Um, I, I have some good uh, mentors and examples to go by. I worked at, uh, as an outreach program with Mandarin High School when John Fox was the athletic director there when they first opened. Uh, then I worked with uh, Barry Craig and Matt Morris at Nice, and they are now are at Bartram Trail and Bowles respectively and then also Bob West at Bishop Kenny when he was there. Um, so I kind of got into looking at the administrative part and after teaching and being the athletic trainer for a while, I said, you know, i kind of like to do that. And I really, really enjoy the Fernandina Beach atmosphere here. Uh, living here is amazing. I decided we wanted to raise our kids here and didn't want to move anywhere else. Uh, so that's when I became a teacher, that was an option for us. But I said, no, we'd never be able to get back here. So I kind of stayed here um, and I wanted a little more responsibility in the schools. Um, this year, I'm kind of glad I'm not in the classroom because the teachers are way overloaded. Um, but I also thought I could bring the perspective of that I had been in the classroom for so long. So I knew you know, what some kids were experiencing, what some teachers were experiencing. Um, and living in the community, we're very isolated because we are on an island, that we needed to get the community a bit more involved. And I was up to the challenge for that. Um, the things I, I didn't consider was uh, 2020, uh, going through, you know, having to all of a sudden really budget um, change the rules midstream, um, dealing with the uh, parents, I, I had to learn how to be a little bit more diplomatic with that, booster clubs, um, and how, to, how the real inner workings of the school board worked. And so now I'm, I'm still learning that every day.
0: Uh, as are uh, all ADs across the country. Yeah. Um, Again, you uh, you've been the AD now for four years, but you've been at the school for quite some time. Um, coming in as the AD, um, what was something that, uh, again, with from your uh, fresh eyes, if you will, what was something that, you know, you thought that well, hey, you know, we do a pretty good job with this, but I know we can do it much better. You know, what was something that you really kind of trained your eye on those first couple of years? I wanted to get
1: um, a little. bit bit more exposure or cooperation with the community. Um, that has helped a little bit. Um, one thing I, I kinda, and I know I'm gonna catch a lot of it for that, but being an AD and a coach, a lot of times I thought led to um, the speculation that things weren't as fair. And I wanted to establish that they, they are fair, that all sports are equal. Um, no matter what they are. So I kind of came from the perspective that, you know, here I am. I don't coach. My background is training, which dealt with all teams. And to try to use a little bit more support and a little more buy-in from everyone to support all the teams. I also wanted to include the athletes themselves a little bit more. Um, We initiated a uh, uh, athletic council for students to come in and talk and meet once a month. We brought back the um, academic pins. So, we wanted to tie academics a bit more into it. So, with their letters, they also get an academic pin if they have a 3.5 or above. Um, we just wanted to do a, a little bit, you know, to improve on, on what the previous athletic director had done and just to keep it going. We, we, I didn't want to maintain the status quo. We, we needed to go even more.
0: All right. you know, those sound like some great ideas. Um, You've been at the school now for, as you said, this is your 20th year uh, and you were a coach, you were a trainer. So obviously you n- were familiar with uh, the workings of, of the athletic director and athletics. Um, how have you seen the day-to-day job, let's say of a coach or even as an AD change during that time? I mean, obviously technology's played a big part, but Outside of technology, you know, how has the job changed uh, for the coach AD?
1: I would say from when I first got into the business, the biggest change has been how much more the coaches are responsible for off the field. Um, it used to be just let me coach, and we can't do that anymore. Uh, rules, regulations, legalities this form done, is that form done? Um, Did you notify this parent? Did you do this? Do you have bus trips in? Do you have all that? And a lot of the new coaches don't realize how much paperwork is involved, how much administration on their end is involved. It's it's not just, hey, I want to go coach basketball. You know, just give me the keys to the gym and I'll be okay. You know, how much other things have to be done rather than coaching? And I think we lose some coaches that way too because they, they don't get that and, and don't understand. And each year there's another form and each year there's another procedure. And and it just kind of piles up on coaches of what the things that they're responsible for.
0: Oh, absolutely. And again, uh, I can look at my school, we're both up in the panhandle, but you know we're a couple hours apart. Uh, uh, I'm very uh, fortunate our school, almost every single one of our head coaches uh, teaches or works in the building uh, and even some of our assistants too but we do have a number of uh, coaches that come from the community what's uh, what's the breakdown at Fernandina beach uh, how many on-campus uh, uh head coaches percentage-wise do you have we're trying to improve that
1: i would say maybe we're at 60 40 right now um we are really trying to improve that um my community coaches that i have are great and I'm not gonna fire them to bring somebody that's on campus. So their jobs are safe if they're listening. But as they, through attrition, we're trying to strongly get teachers that are on campus. It just makes it a lot easier for me to be in contact with them. It's easier for getting kids to come out. Kids can identify with them a little bit more. But then again, with the teacher loads that are increasing and increasing, that's also getting hard to do is to to draw from the people that are in school. Luckily, we do have um, here we have from the kindergarten on up, it's one school in each grade level. So we do have some from other schools that are coaching at the high school. So they're at least uh, school board employees with inner county emails and things we can get to. But I think that is it's a real issue when don't have that resource to go through and I do believe less and less teachers want to coach and and we really prefer that they we struggle to try to find them places where they can come and be employed here as well
0: Well, I mean but that that's great to have support from your upper administration that again I always use the phrase hey we're always looking for great teachers but we're looking for great teachers that can add something and maybe not even coaching, but you know, run a club or be an advisor and not just uh, you know racing to beat the kids out the door at three o'clock. Yeah. Um, let's go and talk a little bit about uh, COVID. Uh, obviously it's had a big impact across the country and, and certainly in Florida. And uh, we've seen a variety of responses. Um, you know, our listeners uh, are all over the country. And so we know that some states, uh, it's business as usual. Um, They didn't skip a beat. Other states have canceled sports. Uh, Other states have moved sports seasons around. Uh, And then we have what's going on here in Florida with you and I. So, uh, and again, spoiler alert, we're recording this uh, the first week of September. So by the time this airs, uh, things hopefully will have changed. But uh, Mary, what's happening right now in Fernandina Beach as far as Uh, school's reopening, and as far as uh, your sports program?
1: Okay, we reopened on August 24th, and we gave the students three options. They could, option one was brick and mortar. Option two was they could um, take school online with Fern Beach high school-based teachers teaching. They could do an option two where they ended up doing partially online with Fernandina, and they come into school for part of the day. And then the option three was to go either uh, full-time Florida virtual school or Nassau virtual school. So we have quite a few options that we're trying to finagle into that. Um, It's been a little difficult because kids are going back and forth between options. As far as the athletics, we have already had one football game. Um, it was away at our arch-rival school, Yulee High School. Um, we are at 50% capacity in our stadiums. Well, unfortunately, Yulee is the biggest high school in the county. They have the smallest stadium. So we were only allocated 100 tickets. So we sold them to parents first, uh, players and uh, cheerleaders, on a junior, seniors one day, and then freshmen and sophomores. We ran out of tickets before all parents got them go to the game. Um, they tried to broadcast it live on Facebook, and I'm hearing that was very iffy, you know, if they got it. Um, so from a, a standpoint of the students, they, they understood. In fact, they were a lot more understanding than the parents were, um, but the students understood, and they're kind of excited. Uh, this week we travel to interlock and, and they don't have as many restrictions uh, other than face mask and 50% but a bigger stadium. Next week we do host our first home game. Um, it, it's, there's a lot of rules. I don't think, And somebody said something to me which kind of made a lot of sense. Everybody's concerned about COVID but they don't understand the rules or get upset until it affects them. And one of our, our rules in Florida is there's a limit on who can be on the field. There's a limit on who can dispense water. Um, They don't want the kids going to the parents after the game. They want to keep a bubble so that the kids go back to the locker room, take a shower and then go see the parents. And trying to get that across to parents and trying to get coaches to remember that is is a challenge. Um, They don't recognize that they're not in our bubble because they assume, well, it's my child's right there, but they're not with the other 75 children that are there. But so it's kind of been an issue there. We had volleyball at home the other night and that went pretty well. We opened up both sides of the gym. Um, most everyone spread out, our student section didn't, um, but we're not going to police them. Uh, the students were very good at wearing the mask. We require masks even at games. Uh, for everybody and after the game the parents left everything and it worked out fairly well so it's just we're tweaking some rules we're tweaking some ideas trying to come up with things that stay within the parameters of the rules FHSA gave us and our school board gave us and trying to make it work Um, our home games shouldn't be affected too much we do have one more cross rival game uh, cross county That we might have to limit, but we do have a large stadium, so we should be able to be fine with about 700 occupancy. Uh, The other problem is buses trying to get transportation because after the buses run their regular route and get to us, they have to be sanitized in between. So we're having to turn the buses, we're allowing parents to drive their own child to games now, which is something we didn't do. that's kind of, I I don't mind parents driving their own kids, but now you have a whole team in separate cars and what time will they get here and where's where I kind of like keeping them together. Football, we are charging buses, which is increasing our budget, uh, because that size of a team does need to stay together. Um, So it's kind of a a day by day, let's see how we can make this work kind of thing.
0: And again, we're all, going through that. And that's one reason that uh, you know, we've enjoyed doing the podcast is just finding out what other schools are doing, finding out their best practices, and uh, hopefully saying, hey, that's a pretty cool idea. I'm gonna steal that. Uh, as you know, athletic directors uh, so readily do. Okay? Um, another question we've been asking our athletic directors the past couple of weeks has to do with um, this idea of social awareness, uh, social justice, if you will. Certainly last spring, the events in, in Minneapolis and Atlanta uh, were front page. And then just recently, uh, you know, again in Wisconsin. Um, my question is this. From your perspective as a high school AD, what are some things that, that we as athletic directors can do better? Uh, what are some things that we can do a better job of with regard to you know, this awareness of social issues with our students, with our communities?
1: Um. We're, to, to my point of view, we're, we're fairly lucky. We do have, um, we have a reputation because we're on Amelia island of being the rich school, um, but we are not. Over a third of our students are on free and reduced lunch. We do have uh, quite a few minority population. We have um, a large contingent of uh, English language, uh, non-speakers, people of Spanish that are coming in. That do not speak English, um, and we're trying to promote that as a, as a school-wide issue on diversity and making sure that everybody is included in everything. Um, we try to watch out for that if we see any issues or problems come up. I'm not sure guess because we haven't had that problem here. We haven't noticed anything that we need to fix. At this point, um, we've been lucky with that. Um, Hopefully we won't in the future. We have a really good um, mental health counselor who keeps her ear open for things and our SRO also. So it's pretty much, like I said, on the island, a community school. We're hoping um, that's not an issue at all. If it is, we do address it right away um, with that.
0: Well, I appreciate you sharing that perspective. Um, let's go and shift gears a little bit. Uh, what are some of your favorite parts about being the athletic director? Uh, what gets you excited about coming to work each day?
1: The students. <laughs> I love to see them when they're successful. Um, we have uh, three signing days a year, depending on um, you know, winter, spring, and the fall signing day. Um, and when you see those kids sign, what we do is we'll get them a big cake and tell them to bring their friends in and just the support they get and the, the pride that, that exudes from them makes it all worthwhile. Um, to watch kids on the sidelines to get excited, to watch our student section come in. Our student section is amazing. Um, every basketball game is a different dress-up night and the things they come up with are are kind of hilarious sometimes, um, but to see that participation, to see the community in there cheering for your kids uh, with fundraisers, seeing us exceed all of that, then you notice that it's all worth it. See a student who um, wasn't involved in anything and just took that chance to join a team and then see them flourish, and then you know, you know, all, all this is worth it. You know, you, you see an out, you see a kid who came in with a 2.05 GPA, and then all of a sudden that GPA is going up because they have uh, new friends in, in, in a sports team, help lift them up and help inspire them. And then, then you know that everything's worth it. Yeah.
0: yeah, it's all about the kids. Yeah, those uh, students, they can really get you excited. You're having a bad day and uh, you see that kid have some success. It just changes everything. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Agreed. agreed. Well, Mary, uh, we're just about done. Uh, but I've got one more question for you. Uh, we always like to wrap up with what we call the athletic director's toolbox. Now, uh, I'm going to say you've only you know, been an AD for four years, but you've been around athletics for a long time. Um, your job is to send out a brand new athletic director on their very first job, but I'm only going to let you put three things in their AD toolbox. What three items are going to go in Mary Walker's athletic director toolbox? Boom. number
1: one, call the other athletic directors, reach out, ask advice um, and get advice from all different ones. Um, Don't try to do it on your own, run it by somebody who has experience, whether they're still an athletic director or not, what did they do? What are their mistakes? What do they offer? Um, Then um, the ability to go to, um, and and socialize with other athletic directors. You know, reach out. You know, go talk to somebody else at a you know, FHSA meeting, FIAA. You know, join these associations. Get the emails. If, if your school can't afford to send you, get on the email list. And and do a, have have a sounding board or someplace you can go to for um, different things. Be. Con- Probably a bullhorn would be my third. Be communicative with your coaches. Have coaching meetings. They, they want to know. They want to help you. They want to do it right. Um, have a plan on how things are going to get done. Try to be as organized as you can. And then present it to them. We meet at the beginning of the year with everybody. I try to keep meetings to a minimum. Um, but at least you know, open that communication with your coaches and find out their ideas as well and be open to go. I, I went to um, rotary meetings and everything. It was kind of nice. I would just go and I say I'm not here to ask for money. And they promised they'd ask me back then. And but say I, I just want you to come to games. Come and see these kids. So basically it's reaching out to everybody that you know, don't think you know, oh I know how to do this. I've seen it before. There are tricks and trades it, and it's political. So you, you need to know how to do that. Um, in fact, just the other day, I had a very strenuous situation that I was stressing about. And I thought about, thought about it, went and asked some people that have been in my shoes and then finally you know, figured out, okay, I'm gonna handle it this way. And I feel a lot better. <laughs> so just kind of not not to be afraid to reach out. It's, it's not a sign of weakness. It, it's now finding that athletic directors and just four years, they're starting to call me and go, well, how are you doing this?
0: And I appreciate that. It makes me feel good. Hmm. Well, I appreciate you sharing. And again, you, uh, for our listeners, you know, Mary uh, practices what she preaches, you know, she, uh, I'm the head of certification here in Florida. And uh, she reached out to me a couple weeks ago about a certification question. uh, And uh, was very happy to, uh, you know, help her out with that and also get her on the podcast. So Hmm. thanks for doing that. Well, Mary's been great uh, reconnecting uh, as we shared before the, uh, the broadcast Uh, actually spent some time in Fernandina beach, Um, you know, um, very much enjoyed my time there. Great. Everybody does come see us. Okay. Well, to our listeners, thanks as always for tuning in, come back again next time for another edition of the educational AD. Thanks again for listening to the Educational AD Podcast and the FIAAA Insider. Remember, these are also being posted on YouTube on the FIAAA Educational AD YouTube channel. Thanks again. It's like...